It was Jesus that I bowed the knee to. Long time ago now. It wasn't just because following Jesus gives you a guarantee of eternity. It wasn't just for that. For me, it was a lot more than that. It was the fact that I was confronted with the reality that I was a sinner. And I had no way of getting out of that. And I bowed the knee to Jesus one Sunday morning about one or two o'clock, I think it was. Because before that, there was no guarantee for me other than that I was set for eternal damnation. That's the truth. Not, you don't often hear that, do you? But there's only one way. And without Jesus, there's no guarantee of heaven. In fact, there's a guarantee of something else. But anybody who turns to Jesus, well, let's think about it. Everybody who rejects Jesus, for everyone who doesn't repent and doesn't return to Jesus, their end is not a good one. Peter, in his great sermon at Pentecost, told the folk there to repent and be baptised. The message is the same today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent, and be baptised. There's an opportunity to be baptised coming up. But it's all about him. Jesus is the one who holds everything together. Now, Joel, we've got a scripture, haven't we, mate? If you could put that on the board, I'd much appreciate it. This is Colossians 1, 16 to 20. And I don't know whether we've got, have we got the same right version, Joel? Yeah, good man. For him, for by, let's, let's read it together, come on. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. It was the sacrifice of Jesus that enabled us to turn to him. Asher read a scripture, I think it was Romans 12, about... Becoming, making your bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord. And that's true. If we profess Jesus as Lord of our lives, then we have to, in the words of Paul, always walk in a manner worthy of the calling and follow him all the days of our life. In other words, what is a follower of Jesus called? This is a quiz, come on. A disciple, who said disciple? Somebody said disciple. Oh, very well done. Thank you very much. Uh, Billy Graham said this. Salvation is free. But discipleship costs everything we have. 
Think about that. Are you a follower? Are you a disciple of Jesus? I got this from a good website. Gotquestions.org. If you've not looked at it, it's quite good. Quite a lengthy definition about what a follower of Jesus is. By definition, a disciple is a follower. One who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. A Christian disciple is a person who accepts and assists in the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. Christian discipleship is the process by which disciples grow in the Lord Jesus Christ and are equipped by the Holy Spirit to overcome the pressures and trials of this present life. Anybody not got any pressures and trials? And become more and more Christ-like. This process requires believers to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting to examine their thoughts, words and actions and compare them with the word of God. This requires that we be in the word daily, studying it, praying over it and obeying it. Challenge? I've not done my Bible reading this morning. Now my Bible reading, we, we have a system and you've, you've got to have your own system. But we go through the Bible every year and we're about two weeks ahead. So we probably finish by, by November, the way we're going. Uh, and we'll have to start again then, won't we? <laughs> uh, and we read out loud to one another and we pray together. But there's nothing wrong. Whatever you do, read the Bible and obey it. It's our... It's our workshop manual for the Christian life. Right, obey it. In addition, we should always be ready to give testimony. And you're going to get the opportunity. Anybody remember, it could be you. Well, it's nothing about the lottery. When we were in the old building, and I was leading the church... Everybody's frightened to death because they used to say, it could be you this week. And I'd just drop on somebody and say, share your testimony. And it could be you today. <laughs> yeah, hang on, there's going to be the opportunity later on. Uh, so I believe we can all encourage one another by testifying and by sharing our discipleship journey. By this, I mean talking about what Christ means to you about your Christian journey so far, how the Lord's blessed you, what your plans are for the future in him. Testify. Give, give, the, give testimony to what Jesus is doing in your life. Yes, tell us how you came to know Christ. That would be great. But tell us what he's doing in your life now. Encourage one another. Let each other know what the Lord has done for you, with you since you were saved. As we heard in that quote, we should be prepared to give testimony for the hope that is within us. So I'm definitely going to ask at the end of this message for people to give their testimony. Are you thinking about it? It could be you. We need to relate to one another, to pray for one another. We can both relate to one another and pray for one another if we know one another better. 
if we understand, we can understand one another, if we talk to each other, if we communicate with one another. It's a bit like a marriage, really. You can't understand your wife unless you talk to her. And she can't, my wife can't understand me unless she talks to me. Communication's important. It's important between each one of us. Discipleship in the Christian sense means to follow Jesus. Everything involved in discipleship is spelled out in the Bible. But in today's world, as that quote from Billy Graham says, it's not easy to be a disciple. It's not a cakewalk being a disciple. It requires us to be a living sacrifice to be a disciple. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus tells people to follow me. He was widely accepted as a rabbi during his ministry in ancient Israel. Large crowds flocked around to hear what he had to say. And I was struck, think about it, by the immediate response of the disciples when they're called. They're fishermen. Follow me. Okay. Put down the nets. Follow me. Tax collector. Oh, I'll leave the tax booth and follow you. They were, when they were called to follow Jesus, there wasn't hesitation. If you're called to follow Jesus, don't hesitate. Being a disciple of Christ called for more than just listening to Jesus. He was constantly teaching and gave specific instructions how to commit to being a disciple. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. He repeatedly taught that God is forgiven, forgiving and draws people to himself. Can you rejoice this morning that Jesus is your saviour? Can you? Yes. Hallelujah, Jesus save me. I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more. What comes next? Come on. Come on, come on, David. I'll get you to sing it, lad. <laughs> Overwhelmed by... and cry hallelujah well done David and in case you didn't know David can sing <laughs> there is a there's a point in our lives where most of us have believed and know that he said whoever believes in him will have eternal life Christ follows followers us me you should put Jesus first in their life, above everything else. How about that? What a challenge that is. Challenge to me. Challenge to everyone. Our relationship with Jesus should be paramount, but do we live as though that is the case? Jesus said that one of the ways that people would recognise Christians is the way they love one another. Love was a constant theme in his teachings. In his contacts with others, Jesus was compassionate. He was a compassionate healer, a compassionate and sincere listener. His love for people was a real example to each one of us. Think of the woman at the well. The woman caught in adultery. 
the widow of Nain, the centurion's servant, Jairus's daughter. And what about us? Don't forget his high priestly prayer in John 17. He prayed, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me. For they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me. Why? That they may be one, even as we are one. On the night that Jesus was, was betrayed, he prayed for you and for me. He was praying that we would be one in the same way that the Father and the Son are one. Are we? Is there unity in the body of Christ here? It's our responsibility. It's not Joe Bloggs's or Fred Smith's. It's ours. Loving others, especially the unlovable, can be a great challenge for us. Jesus demands we do it. But how being selfless is so difficult that when it is done lovingly, it immediately sets Christians apart. We're called both to love and to forgive. How many times do we have to forgive? A couple of times? Half a dozen? How many times? Yeah, 70 times 7. In other words, don't stop forgiving. It's all about loving one another. In the DC group, I'm going to oh, I'll get round with this one. We, we, uh, some time ago, we looked at all the one another's in the Bible. There's loads of them. I'll start you off with one, and then I'm going to go round and ask you. Love one another. That's an easy one, right? Come on, another one. Hands up, come on. Submit to one another. Glenn said, his hand up. Be kind to one another. Confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another. Right, form a queue. <laughs> Pray for one another. Absolutely, Irene. Oh, hang on, John's at the back. Encourage one another. He's in the DC group, he's got an advantage. Bear with one another in love. Bear with one another in love, yes. And bear one another's burdens as well. There's loads of them. It's all about loving though, isn't it? If you, if you think about all them one another's, it all comes back to L-O-V-E, doesn't it? Caring for one another. Lifting one another up. Bearing one another's burdens. Loving one another. Forgiving one another. All these things. We actually drew the line at greet one another with a holy kiss. I might make an exception for Glenn. <laughs> but actually, that, what does that mean? It means be joyful to see one another, doesn't it? But the other thing I would say is it's not incumbent upon 
the other person to have the right attitude it's incumbent upon you. It's incumbent upon me. It's an individual responsibility for each one of us to ensure that we have the right attitude. To love others selflessly can be very difficult. Think about people who may be a little bit more difficult to get along with. Are you a person like me who finds this challenging? People we tend to avoid, you know. And you see them come and you think, oh, no. And I, is anybody else like me? You can be honest. How do we love the unlovely? Jesus is our example. And he set, set the bar particularly high. He set the bar so high. Bless him. In some of his final words to the apostles before he was crucified, he says, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The disciple of Jesus Christ should live to glorify God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I've always thought that sounds selfish. It's right that we glorify God and rejoice in all that we have in him. But we also have to be effective disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the quote I read earlier from Got Questions says, we need to, the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives Prayer, Bible study, fellowship, breaking of bread, consistency is required. Not just for your benefit, but also for the benefit of others. Bearing much fruit or leading a productive life is a result of surrendering to the Holy Spirit. That includes serving others, spreading the gospel, setting a godly example. I believe that each one of us, this church, this church, you, me, this church, can be a real example. There's many of us here who've been Christians for years. I believe we can set a real example in, to four people in practical and spiritual ways. For those who are beginning the Christian journey, it's, imp it's particularly important that us oldies, like me, Behave correctly. Our lives should be a witness. It's a, this, uh, this is attributed to Francis of Assisi, but I don't think it is. Uh, when you look at it, look it up, it isn't. And Stephen's not keen on this one, but I think it's okay. Preach the gospel every day, and if you have to, use words. What it's saying is walk in a manner of the worthy of the calling, that you, you, your life may reflect Jesus. That's what it says to me. And that's what I'm saying to you today. That's what we need to do, to walk in that way. If we are disciples of Jesus, we need to walk in the way that uh, will attract others. There's confusion all around. I saw something on the telly yesterday. I don't know if any of you were up early enough to see it. It was on BBC Breakfast Early Doors. And it was, it was about uh, the father of Ellie Edwards, who was the... Uh, young lady who was shot 
uh, by Con Connor Chapman on the Wirral outside the pub with a submachine gun. He just indiscriminately fired at the doorway and he's now doing a minimum of 48 years in jail. Now, this fella lost his beautiful daughter in, the most, in those horrendous circumstances. And he's out there looking for answers. He's looking for answers. And you could see it. I, I, I honestly, watch it. There's quite a, a poignant bit in that little, um, little clip. It's about, I think, about 20 minutes, half an hour, this, this uh, it's a little documentary about him. And he is going into the chapel where they're going to have the funeral service. And uh, a dove lands on his car. And he hears, the dove lands on the car. And he gets out the car, and he gets out the car. He startles the dove, and the dove lands on the roof of the chapel. And it stays there throughout the funeral service. Now, that could be coincidence. Or it could be a message. But the fella is looking for answers. He's saying, what now? You know, the, his life's been torn apart. He's clearly searching as so many people are today. It doesn't have to be such a horrendous tragedy like that to cause people to ask questions. Everybody out there is asking questions. It could be the economic situation. How am I going to make ends meet? It could be the woke agenda, or the politically correct agenda, if you want to call it that, about uh, all this stuff about uh, gender realignment and stuff like that. People are going to get confused. Kids are going to get confused. It could be about the terrible war in Ukraine, or it could be about the disgraceful behavior of some of the people who are supposed to be running the country. It could be anything that says to people, well, why? What's going on? We Christians have a responsibility to be lights in the darkness. The responsibility of each of us is to let our light shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's all you're getting. <laughs> Who said hallelujah? Whether you regard that as a gospel song or a protest song, one of the verses says this. On Monday, he gave me the gift of love. Tuesday, peace came from above. On Wednesday, he told me to have more faith. On Thursday, he gave me a little more grace. Friday, he told me just to watch and pray. Saturday, he told me just what to say. On Sunday, he gave me the power divine to let my little light shine. This little light of mine. <laughs> In Matthew 28, the Great Commission Jesus told his, his followers to make disciples of all nations. One of the key duties of discipleship is to bring the good news of salvation to others. And I know someone who's particularly good at this. Any opportunity he gets, particularly when he's leading the all-stars, Colin always tells people that they need to know Jesus. He never misses an opportunity. Paul, in, I was going to get him to do it this morning, but he's preaching elsewhere, and guess what he's going to tell them? He's going to tell them that Jesus is the only way of salvation. We don't have to become a missionary. We can support missionary organisations, witness to others, or simply invite people to come along to church or to your DC group. 
Discipleship in the body of Christ takes courage. And in Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after him, after me, sorry, let, me deny, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross daily. Daily. Every single solitary day. Take up his cross daily. Not once a month or at Christmas and Easter or weddings and funerals. Daily. Got question says this. Take up your cross and follow me means willing to be willing, being willing to die in order to follow Jesus. This is called dying to self. It's a call to absolute surrender. After each time Jesus commanded cross bearing, he said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does, a profit, what does it profit a man if he gazes against the whole world and loses his own soul? Although the call is tough, the reward is matchless. And we're going to do that. Take up our cross and follow Jesus. Surrender to him. And say from this day on, every day is for you, Jesus. Timothy Keller is no longer with us now. He's, he was a Christian pastor, author, and apologist. And he said, discipleship is not an option. Jesus says that if anyone would come after me, he must follow me. What he's saying there isn't unique. He's telling us that there's no choice for a Christian. If you're a true Christian, you've got to follow him. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then there's no option. You must become a disciple. You can't have a halfway house. You can't have one foot here and another in church. It doesn't work. It's not an easy road. To be an effective Christian can put you at odds with society. Today, being more than ever, being a disciple is countercultural. Every religion out there is tolerated apart from Christianity. Christianity is not necessarily politically correct and can lead us into conflict with the values of secular society. We disciples follow a wonderful saviour. Christianity is not a passive faith. I'm going to prove that in a minute because I'm going to come out there and look for testimonies. Discipleship is not a passive activity. We're not, we're not simply people who sit in a pew and listen to the preacher and then come back the following week and listen to him again and then come back the week after and listen to him again and do out about it in the meantime. I used the word daily a short time ago and our discipleship is a daily walk. A wonderful saviour is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful saviour to me, he hideth my soul in the cleft of a rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock and shut that covers a high, dry, thirsty land. Is it right? That was a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock and covers me there with his hand. Jesus Christ is a wonderful saviour and we have a wonderful inheritance in him. We didn't earn it. 
We don't deserve it. But it's incumbent upon us. I've used that word a few times, isn't it? it? It's important that we take hold of this, embrace the challenge of discipleship. And that begins the moment you're saved. Not through a system of works to, to earn salvation. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't demand perfection. His own righteousness is credited to those who follow him. Follow, follow. I will f Hang on a minute, I've got that one. I've got the words for that one because I thought about that earlier. Uh, let me have a look at this one. Do you know what? Very often we sing this chorus when people are, are baptised. And what saddens me is that a lot of people have been baptised. We said, follow, follow, I will follow Jesus anyway, every day. I will follow on. And where are they? That bothers me. Down in the valley with my saviour I will go. Where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow. Everywhere he leads me I will follow on. Follow, I will follow, follow on. Walking in his footsteps till the crown be won. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere, I will follow on. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. Everywhere he leads me, I will follow on. Can we agree with that this morning? That we will follow Jesus anywhere, every day, all the time. There's only one way of salvation. His name is Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the altogether lovely one. He's the bright and morning star. And he's the one who died for you. And he's the one who rose again from the dead three days later, having defeated death and hell. There is no other way of salvation. No other way. You can't work your way to, go to glory. You can't. You cannot work your way to glory. You can't do good things and think, I've done good things. Jesus must love me. I'm a good person. That won't work. It's bowing the knee to Jesus. It's repenting of your sin. And it's saying, Jesus Christ, I love you and I'll follow you all the days of my life. I got excited then. <laughs> My testimony. Right, I'll start you off. I'm going to do a very brief testimony. And then I want more. My testimony is I was a copper. I thought I'd seen everything, done everything, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, seen all sorts of bad things. I used to go out drinking with the lads. And I, I, I was a sinner. In need of a saviour. I used to poo-poo Christians. I used to think, oh, well, they've got a crutch. That'll keep them going. They've got a crutch. Bless them. I probably didn't say bless them, actually. But uh, I, I'm not going to go into the details. But one night, and Nolan and Kath were part of it. Marion was part of it. I rejected Jesus after going out to the church. I did, don't want to know that. But in the early hours of the morning, I started listening to Nolan Bradshaw. But it wasn't Nolan Bradshaw. It was the Spirit speaking through Nolan Bradshaw. And it got me. And I saw my sin in front of me. And I literally got on my knees. I got on my knees by my chair. And I asked Jesus for forgiveness. Forgiveness. 
said, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Forgive my sin and help me, Lord. And Lord, uh, I said, don't let me fall. And that's what I prayed. I got given a Bible shortly afterwards. And at the end was the doxology from Jude unto him who is able to keep you from falling. And I've been walking with Jesus ever since then. I've not always got it right. I'm still on a process of sanctification. Anybody else still there? <laughs> right, testimony time. Come on, hands up. <laughs> 